We're holding by Perak Yudzayin, and we're discussing the Gvul of the name Anasha. We spoke last time about the Gvul of Ephraim, the portion of Ephraim. Now we're talking about the portion of Anasha. And as we know, Anasha was split between the two halves of Anasha. One was Neris Yisrael, and one was Levera Yarden. And we saw that that was one of the explanations in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Pasuk Aleph, Ahiya Goyra Lamati Menasha, Gihu Bukhar Yosef. Then was the next part of Israel to be apportioned was the portion of Menasha because he was the Bukhar. Why does it add he was the Bukhar? So one of the reasons given was that's why he got a double portion, which means he got a portion both in Eretz Israel and in Ever Yarden. So how did it work? Out of the various uh, families within Shevet Menasha, which families were given portions where? So he says, Lamachir Bukhar Menasha Avia Gilad. To Machir, who was the first one of Menashe, he was given the portion every year then. Since they were more uh, capable in warfare, they were given the lands on every year then. Now, why was that to get totally on the fact that they were more right to go to battle? So we saw already when it came to Bnei God and Bnei Ruben, the two tribes who asked for a Chayk every year then, that they were warriors. And the, the condition which was made with them was that they would go ahead of Benesha onto battle. We saw at the time Bnei Menashe weren't part of that, and therefore we don't find that if a condition was made with Bnei Menashe, they would be the ones to lead the battle. So that does the Farshim explain the Pasuk here, that they were Ancha Milchama, and therefore they, they also could be people who would go into the forefront of the battle. And there's another reason given as well, it's more the Peshat, and that is the Gemara already says that the cities on the border were the most dangerous because those were the cities which could be attacked by invading armies. And therefore, there was a special need to strengthen the border cities because that was the first line of defense against any attacker. And therefore, since the north corner of Eretz Yisrael is Menashe, that's the northeast corner, which is, uh, just parenthetically, that's where actually all the various enemies who attacked Israel came from. Whether it was Aram or it was Ashur or later in Babel, they all came from the north. And therefore, Menashe was, so to speak, the the border which had to be protected, and therefore it says they were Ansham Muhammad, and therefore they were able to they were to be able to protect the north border. And that's why I gave him the Bashan which was in the north and Gilad which is um, one of the sons of Machir. But we see that even within the so to speak the family of Machir, the, which was given every Yadin, it was divided into three parts. There was the part which was given to Machir, the part which was given to Gilad, and the part which was given to Yair. They're all part of the same family. The Ramban explains in the Pasuk that sometimes um, the family unit is called after the patriarch of the family, even if there are a lot of subdivisions of children and grandchildren and all of their own families, but the name of the family becomes the family name of the leader, or the beginner of that, of that dynasty. Sometimes when there's a certain subset of the family which becomes very populous in its own right, so it'll be called its own branch of the family, even though they're a son of the previous one. So just as an example of this, when it comes to nations of Canaan, right? Canaan and the Mori and the Chivi and the Priti and the Girgoshi are all called separate nations, even though some of them were children of Canaan, right? But since they became nations in their own right, they're given their own title. Similarly over here, uh, uh, Gilad was one of the sons of Machir, but it's called Eretz Gilad, was a separate, so to speak, category or portion of Eretz Israel because Gilad became a family in his own right. That was the half of the nation which got never yet. Now here, the Bnei Menashe and the Yisraelim, the rest of the Bnei Menashe, 
למשפחות של נפאר מזה בני אביעזר, בני חלק, בני אסריאל, בני שכם, בבני חפר, בבני שמידה. of Menashe and Nidol and Eretz Yisrael. I'm just uh, parenthetically pointing out, uh, even though it's something to do with Tanakh, but uh, being as these names, in this week's parish of Parashas Pinchas, so it goes through all the names of the Shvatim and mentions all, uh, all these names in the concept of Menashe. Mishpachas Aviyazri, Mishpachas Achelk, Mishpachas whatever, all these names. And just for Allah, who's doing Shtayim Mikra, it's a very common mistake. It's a cool one of Menashe's sons, Ashriel with a shin, it's not. It's Asriel with a sin. And here again, it's Asriel, so something to be aware of in the English America this week. Right. Now, each of these got a chaylek in Eretz Yisrael. And now we come to a story which is also in the sixth page of the story in the Torah. And uh, we have to explain... The story in the Torah, in the sixth page, so let me explain a little bit what happens. And the Slavchot, Ben Chayfer, Ben Gilad, Ben Machet, Ben Menashe, Leha, Leban, and Kiyim, Bonnes. Slavchot, Ben Chayfer, he was part of the of the Machir part of the family. He and he had daughters. So he had five daughters. And as you know the story in the Torah, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they told Moshe Rabbeinu that they want to, what's, why aren't they given a portion in Eretz Yisrael? Now let's explain the argument of the Bnei Slachot. I mean, there was a certain, as you see Chazal point out, there was a certain wisdom that they had. They weren't just coming to complain. What was the argument? What was the request? So the Bnei Slavchot understood a certain uh, concept. And it was like this. They understood that, when a, that the idea of Yerusha, the idea of Yerusha, that when a father dies, his sons inherit him, is that, that maintains, so to speak, the father's presence here in the world because whatever he had goes to his children. Now, the Bnei Slavchot understood that there's a similar din of Yibum. If a person does that children, so he has no continuation here in the world. So the idea of doing Yibam is to make a continuation for a person who died. So they understood that the din of Yerusha and the din of, y- uh, of Yibam are similar dinim. In other words, after a person dies, there's a way to continue him if he has children. And if he doesn't have children, then the idea of Yibam is that that way to produce, a, so to speak, a child who will continue the, the father who died who was childless. So the Benayi Tzlachot came to Moshe Benayi And they said to Moshe Benayi, our father, Tzavchot, had no sons, he only had daughters. Now, what status does that give him? If, if daughters are considered his continuation, that, then we should inherit his property. We're the ones who will be continuing him. And if daughters are not considered halakhiki to be a continuation of the father, then they are mother to Yibam. And as a can't go both ways. It's either or. If daughters can continue their father, fine. So then we get the property. We're inheriting him. We're taking over what he did. And if daughters cannot inherit their father... In other words, the daughters don't have the ability to continue what their father did. So they are mother Yibam, and that way will produce a male offspring, so to speak, who continues Tzavchot. If you knock out the mother Yibam, it's because daughters are considered a continuation, so they must get the Yerusha. In other words, you can't go both ways. You can't say daughters don't count, and therefore they don't get Yerusha. And at the same sense, say they do count, and therefore the father can't do Yibam. He's going to continue, the, which ways are going to work. That was the Maman of Shach that came to my with, and Hashem agreed with him. Hashem said it's true. Daughters can be Yerush. In other words, even though Moshe understood, and the simple Havana of the Torah is, that sons are Yerush, their father, right? that's only because they are sons. But if they wouldn't be sons, then the next step was right. The daughters will inherit. And that's not Acha. But they're not sons, the daughters inherit the father. Which means they're also able to continue, so to speak, their father. And therefore, whether they're sons or their daughters, they won't be Yibam. 
because any child, whether a son or a daughter, is right to continue, so to speak, with the father there, to, to be a continuation of the father. It's just that when there are sons and daughters, sons get priority. Fine. Uh, so that, that was that, that was Benayis Tzavchad's argument, and that's why it wasn't just a request; it was an argument. Yiman the Sheikh, and that's why was, that the pasuk says the Gemara says in Basra and the Rashi brings in the pasuk that they were Chachmanis, they, they, they understood things, and therefore they didn't they could present a good argument in Halacha. Now, now the next point, and that is, it's true that daughters can inherit their father. What happens to the inheritance? Because the halacha is, we learn from the pasuk also, that if a husband inherits his wife. And if a husband inherits his wife, so what's going to happen is the daughter who inherits her father, and she dies, basically the husband's going to inherit her father's property. And this we're going to see next week's parasha was the argument of B'nai Yosef. And that is, if you've given the daughters of Tzavchot the entitlement to his Yerusha, and now they marry somebody from a different shavit, so what's going to happen is that that Yerusha, that part of our Yerusha, of Chalik Yosef, is going to land up going to some other shavit. Um, this wasn't an uh, argument. In other words, it wasn't an iman of shaykh. They were just a complaint. If this is meant to be shavit yosef, if the property belongs to shavit yosef, then it shouldn't be that the halakha will authorize, so to speak, uh, transfer a property that the yosef will lose it. Now, again, what, so what do they want? Let's think a second. What did if, what if the rash of yosef want to happen? And once halakha decide that daughters can inherit, so what, 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 what do you want them to do now? So what, what Hashem decided is that in that door, it's true, a daughter can inherit, but they have to marry within the same shevet. And if that's the case, if they marry within the same shevet, then at least the property might be moving around within the families of that shevet, but it's not going to move out of the shevet. Is there a recommendation or a that you have to... It was a halacha for that generation. It was a halacha for that generation. It wasn't a halacha which was binding on future generations. In other words, that original generation who were neichel, who inherited the show, and ladies who were in the category of getting Yerusha had to marry within the Shavit. But in, few, in subsequent generations, that didn't happen. Now, so it could shift. So it could shift. Now that's the question. If Hashem accepted Yosef's argument, and that is that we don't want Nachal to shift from one Shavit to another Shavit, um, so then what, why, 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 why was this Gezeira not upheld in the future? Now, again, it doesn't apply to anybody. In most cases, we have no problem with people marrying other Shvatim because the daughter is in the category of being the heir. It's only in the case where there are no sons and therefore the daughter is going to be the heir and receive the property, then we have the Shvatim. So you have to ask why, why I think it's changed and in future diaries, there wasn't a problem with um, Shvatim marrying into each other. This is going to be dependent on the big Machlaikas. And that is, we know that Talachi is when the Yovel comes, then the property goes back to its original owner. Now, the question that understand means if you gifted somebody property or he bought it from you or something like that, so it will go back to the person who gave it or the person who sold it. There's a question in the Gemara. What about Yerusha? What about Yerusha? In, does the Yevil undo Yerusha also? Would it belong to him? Oh, so what would happen next? So, according to one opinion in the Gemara, let's say a father died and his three sons split his property into third, each one got a third. When the Yevil comes, the property will go back to the father, and now we can decide how we want to redivide it. In other words, the original allocation of Yerusha doesn't have to doesn't have to continue. And if that's the case, how many dirhams are going to go back? Right? How many dirhams are going to go back? So the, this is a 
the, even though the Gemara has not said that Yerusha is undone by the evil, it's not, first it's not very Paschal. We don't Paschal like that. We Paschal that the evil only undoes a sale or a gift, Mechira or Yerusha, but not a, or Hektesh, but not 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 uh, inheritance, not, not the name of Yerusha. But if it would go back, there would be a tzad, it would go back right to the original Dar who went into Eretz Yisrael. And if that's the case, then that would, that would solve the problem. Because if the Dar coming into Eretz Yisrael was given to ladies, then that Nachal would be lost to that tribe forever. Because that original Dar was given to ladies who the husband Yerush them, so they're never going to go back to the original Shavit. But if it's going to the original Dar who was given to men, then even if later on down the line, a lady would inherit and give it to her husband. When the Yovel resets everything, we'll go back to the original family who inherited it, which means we'll go back to the right Shevet again. You'll go back to my Shevet, but there would be total anarchy. That would be very hard to deal with. I mean, you know, as I go into that, that, that opinion, every 50 years, everybody's property goes back into a general pool of... It's like communism. <laughs> it was bringing out the principle that it says that... Kiliya uh, Aretz. No one can think they're on the land. Sorry, talks about the Mishnah. The Basra is what chelak did the Bnei Slavcha get? And this goes back to what we started talking about last time, and that is um, how was Eretz Yisrael divided? And we saw there's an opinion that Eretz Yisrael was divided to the people who left Mitzrayim, right? In other words, according to one opinion, according to the other opinion, was the people came into Eretz Yisrael, and the third opinion was Papad, which means it was given to the people who came to Eretz Yisrael however many people there were who came to Israel, that generation. It then went back to the ancestor who came out of Mitzrayim, and then was divided equally back to his children again. So that's the case. What's going to happen about Shabbat Menashe? What's going to happen about Menashe is we have um, the sons of, let's say, the Tzadchot father. So we have Haifer, who was uh, someone who came out of Mitzrayim. Tzadchot himself also came out of Mitzrayim. So we have two Chalakim for people who came out of Mitzrayim. Now we talk about the door coming into Eretz Yisrael. So we have Tzadchot Chalak, which he didn't get, but his daughter's got. So his daughter's got his Chalak in Eretz Yisrael, right? We obviously have divided it to five because there were five of them. But together they got his Chalak in Eretz Yisrael, as well as the Chalak of Chaifer, his father in Eretz Yisrael, because Kenari Chaifer didn't have any other sons either, except for Tzadchot. They got two Chalakim in Israel. It seems like not. And besides for that, he was also a Bechor, you know, by Gilad. So he got a double, he got the double Chalak of the, the Bechorah, which uh, Bechor gets in his father's instead. And therefore, it comes out, the Gemara makes a Cheshman, that they got four Chalakim in Israel. Right, then we're going to see this in the next Pasuk. But what's the, what, what's the meaning of the double if he gets everything anyways? Because he deserved to inherit in his own right. His father also, his father was dead. So out of his father's chalik, he got a double portion of that too. Okay. And that's what we're going to see in the next passage. It says, Lazar Akoin, Yeshua Benun, Nesim Leimar, Hashem We're coming with not to ask you because it's already been decided in Moshe's time, and we're asking you to give us what Hashem promised Moshe that He will give us a Nachla. And therefore, He gave them a Nachla. Um, amongst their, their father's brothers who, who got, were the people who got the portions of Menashe. Now there's an interesting question in the Pasuk. Who did they go to? It says they went to Elatzar Akain, Yeshua, and the Nesim. And then Vayitanem is in the singular. Right? Firstly, why do they need to go to Elatzar and Yeshua? This should have been an internal discussion in Menashe. 
Right? And number two, why is it bringing Lazar before Yeshua? Normally the Nakhla was the side of Adalina, not by the Kohen God. And the answer is Pashat. That when they came in the Torah, they came to Moshe and Lazar Kohen. Because Anna already died. And Moshe was still the leader. So they came to Moshe, but in, the, but in here, when Elazar Cohen was there, right? So they went to Elazar because he was a witness to that. Right? What it meant that they came to Moshe and that Moshe had given them the Nakhla, Elazar was there. And therefore they went to him first because he could, he could verify what they're saying was true. And therefore when it comes to who gave the Nakhla, it's in the singular, because it didn't need everybody to give the Nakhla. It was only Yeshua to give the Nakhla as the leader. Elazar was just there because he was present at the original time that they came to Moshe. In Eretz Yisrael, the portions of the Nash are divided into ten parts. If a nice of the Nash and Nachla, Nachla, Besech, Banov, the daughters of the Nash is the daughters of Safa, the God of Chelek, amongst his sons. The Eretz Agilad, the highest of the name of Nash and Nisarim. And Eretz Agilad was left for the other sons of Machir, which we spoke of before. And therefore, we're going to split up the six families of the Nash and Eretz Yisrael. And we said, Aviezer, Chelek, Asriel, Shechem, Chefer, and Shmida, those are the six Chalakim, the Israel, six families. And now we said, when they stuff, we got the other four. Because uh, they got the Bechara, they got the Chelek of Tzlacha, and the Chelek of Tzlacha, but Chefer's Nechassim as well. Why didn't Chefer get his father Gilad on the other side? That's a good question. Unless it was a different Gilad. No, it's not much. It's the same Gilad. It's the same Gilad. Why is Gilad in Israel? It says that the Mechabah is the Aretz. Right, by Higvul, so that's the that's the the Chalik of Nash was given to Bnei Tzlafad. The Pasuk doesn't tell you they married. It says they married Bnei Dedeim, which means they married somebody else in Shevet Menashe. We don't know who it was. So if it was, they got this extra Nachla, which was given to the daughters of Tzlafad. Did the Rambam finish the? One that we asked that the Nachla that we don't say that Nachla gets undone um, by the evil, then it's true. There would be a transfer of Nachla within Eretz Yisrael. It was just when a land was originally given out, as we given to the right shepherd. And therefore, if the Nez Slavot had already married other men, we would start off by giving the Nachla to the wrong shepherd. But uh, once the land's been apportioned to the right Shvatim, so it's true, we don't have a control of stopping Nachla moving from shepherd to shepherd in this sense. And uh, just like we, even though it should here, the year would make a difference, but just like as a din of Steya Kherim. The Steya Kherim is a din in the Torah, and that is if a person's Makdash is ground, to the best of Mekdash. So he hasn't told the evil to redeem it. And if he doesn't redeem it until the evil, then it goes to the Kohenim. Mm-hmm. And the Kohenim don't need it, they sell it. If it wants to buy it. So there's another way that you could have land which is leaving the right Shevet and being given to somebody else. And the evil won't help you because the evil's already taken it out of... God puts it back into the shoes of the Kohenim. Right. So it's true. The point that Chetan, which is how we Paskin, that's didn't that the name Menashe would uh, have to marry... Menashe Menashe, that the Shvatim had to marry within themselves, was only for the first star. It's interesting, the Gemara brings one of the things that we celebrate in Tubab was Hutra Shvatim which means this original Gazera was annulled and the Shvatim would be allowed to marry each other. That was in the door after Yosha when they were when they when they stopped this restriction. Do we know 